Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hyperclean.store.com or go to the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook, or I'll give you Nick's personal email. It is Oh, just kidding. But uh, yeah, emailing in for some people, we do say, hey, listen, great question. Plenty of people that go on to find us on social media and then they ask some pretty in-depth questions. Hey, go ahead and send it in. Info at hypercleanstore.com is a great way to go in if you got some some in-depth type question. All right. I'm diving into definitely one of the regulars here. It is Sierra Nevada, hazy little thing, IPA. And let's get into some buy and sell, Nick. I was not not for beer, not for beer, but I am buying something new. Sticking with old faithful right here, hazy little thing IPA. But this weekend, mm, I bought something new last week, and I got to open it up and get started with it. You helped me. You guided me in the correct direction of what to pair it with, and I paired. Uh, a brisket with a little cap on. I did trim some of that cap and uh, uh, I think it was some sirloin. Grab some sirloin also. And what I did was I, well, I got myself a meat grinder. That a babe. And it changed my <laughs> life. I'm not joking. Literally changed life. We So the first thing I wanted to do with it was make some burgers. And I'll post a photo. I meant to do it over the weekend, but I'll post it in a specialist group because, you know, you just feel like bragging about yeah. food when you make such amazing. So I made a double oh, yeah. patty, had to with some Munster cheese. Oh, it was incredible. I did a little weak action on it, though. I didn't get my skillet hot enough, so I didn't get a good enough char on the outside. But just the flavor of eating steak oh, instead yeah. of ground beef, it's it's hard to explain. Oh, but yeah. It, it's just next level. I don't. Yeah. See, only if you've ever this, had, yeah, steakhouse burgers, right? Like if you really go to a great burger joint, and again, we all love the Five Guys or Wendy's or whatever; those have their place. But if you really ever go and get a true steakhouse burger, you know, for those that don't have a meat grinder at home, you know the difference, right? And and the thing is, is people oftentimes mess up. You actually want a lot of fat, which is where the brisket cap comes in, right? Because what people don't realize when you grind meat, you need a lot more fat than you think. Otherwise, you're just looking at this like all red patty and you're like, I don't think that's going to taste very good. But yeah, I mean, for most people that, you know, I never really say this out loud. I'm almost all red meat. I, I very rare. I mean, I'll have some chicken and some fish here and there, but I'm pretty much all red meat. That That's what I've been eating for years now. So I got to find creative ways, you know, to 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 keep enjoying it so well, dude, look, we man, didn't that's stop. awesome that's a great thing yeah we didn't stop with the burgers it went into the breakfast burritos i started toasting bagels and put it on with some <laughs> eggs like it didn't stop through the whole weekend it finished off sunday evening where i go oh she's i gotta have some nachos like steak ground steak yep. nachos just think of it that oh, way yeah. like oh done I'm right did, like, you go, did you go into the oven or did you do it in the microwave no, I'm the oven guy. Yeah. 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 Looking with too. Nick has, yeah. has led us into the broilers where I put it. I put it. Yeah. Into yeah. The no, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. So we got this, this, uh, appliance called like a Brio or whatever. 
So instead of having to turn my oven on, I can just put it. It's like a convection and air fry. It's like everything all in one. I'm not sure all the settings work all that well, but when you need to, you need to toast up some nachos. It's, it's nice to just turn that on instead of your oven. All right. I'm gonna have to get the link for that or the, the bio, because that is the next kind of thing. We've been talking air fryer and I've, I want to get my toaster oven back. She bumped that out a long time ago. I get it. It was yeah. like from the nineties. It was old. Yeah, my, but... Mine's probably considered a toaster oven, but it's really, you can cook like a whole chicken in there. So yeah. it's like a mini oven. So it's not like the ones we grew up with, you know, you could only toast a couple of things in there, which the hey, little knob that place. turns, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. You just thought your house was going to catch on fire every time you used it. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's great, man. That's, that's a great story. So I'm going to have to sell something. I didn't know if I was going to bring this up. So I saw a car accident over the weekend. Okay. Couple driving in a van, neither one of them should have either A, been in the car and B, especially not driving old with the walker in the back of the van, two walkers in the back of the van. Okay. They run a red light in a major intersection and I watch it happen. I'm like two or three cars back and I can see their brake lights aren't coming on guys coming off the freeway, sitting at a light guns it. Boom. Old, old man's trapped. Like, you know, this is a big bridge, like by, you know, a major intersection. Okay. The guy gets out of the truck and he's just going off, going off, going off. I got my daughter in the car. It's just me and her. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Nobody's getting out of their car. Cause you know how people are now. And so I kind of swerve around the car in front of me cause they're paralyzed and I go up and I kind of block the van and block the truck with my SUV. You know what I mean? So like I'm protected getting out of my car in case some idiot comes flying. You know how stuff like that happens. So the guy from the truck is going off. Number one, hate to tell you about lifted truck guy. He's <laughs> all a five, eight and like 150 pounds. He's got a gun on his hip. I see it immediately. I'm like, that puts oh. a whole nother. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, just the typical thing. Right. So I get out. I'm looking at the old people trapped or the old person. The wife can get out. Cause her side didn't get hit. This guy out of the truck is yelling and screaming at these old people. Mm. So I'm like, Hey man, back your truck up so we can see if we can get this door open. He's like, you're not going to tell me what to do, Bob. Oh, God. I said, dude. So now, for those who don't know, I, I've trained for a lot of years, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, this could go. I got my daughter in the back. This idiot's got a gun on his hip, which, by the way, if you want to carry, it doesn't bother. You know, that stuff doesn't bother me. I just think there are a lot of people that shouldn't be because they don't have the demeanor to. So... Here's where we get. I now roll up on the hip where the gun is. Like, cause I'm thinking as close as I can get to this dude, I can, I can, I can choke him if I get close to him. Cause those that haven't met me in person, I'm like 220 pounds. This guy's like a buck 50. I'm like, if this goes South, I just need to make sure he can't get. And Marty, I'm telling you, I'm thinking to myself, this guy may do something stupid here. That's how hot he is. So anyway, I said, dude, back your truck up. This guy is like on death's door. 
you don't want to be responsible for him having a heart attack because you're going off. Just trust me, you don't want that on your conscience, right? So all said and done, he backs up like two inches. Because he's got to have photos. He's in the truck, and I'm like, back up. You know, get out of here. And so at, at the end of the day, here's where we're at. He finally backs up. I check on the old guy. The ambulance is coming. I can hear the cut the sirens. I can hear everything coming, right? And so here's where we get to. He gets out. He starts yelling at me. The old guy. No, no, no. The guy in the truck. He's now back out of his truck like, man, oh, you don't gotcha. run this. You're not doing this. Well, so Marty, again, I get like close to his hip and I said, dude, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. Okay. And I'm calm. Like this stuff doesn't bother me, but I'm worried about that gun. And I'm thinking to myself the whole I'm time worried about the old guy. Does he die? I mean, no, what's no, going the, on? the old guy, the old guy's fine. He, okay. he is, he is rattled though, but his arm was messed up. I mean, it, the door pushed it. You could see it bruising immediately. All that kind of stuff. Glass kind of cut him. Ambulance gets there. Cops get there. The cops want me to stay there. I said, a, I'm not staying here. I said, B, you got to get the gun off that dude as fast as possible because this is about to go sideways. You know what the cop says to me? Well, you, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, all right, man, got in my vehicle and left. Dude. I thought for like, there was probably a three minute period that I thought this guy's going to pull his gun. Like that's how heated he was. Now, mind you didn't care if he killed those people. Didn't care how old they were. Didn't care about anything. And by the way, no one else got out of their car. All right. So no idea that that's what you were going to talk about. And I've always wondered, are you supposed to right? because of the last Seinfeld episode ever? I've always wondered, <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do if I see a wreck? I, I've, I've, I've been, listen, there was, I think the other day there, there was some old guy just like kneeled over, like at a steering wheel at a stoplight. And we all just went around him Cause we were like, Oh, maybe he's on his phone or taking a nap. We didn't know, but it, I drove away going, Oh shit. Did he like, did he have a heart attack? There? Did he did die he just, or something? Like, but if you see somebody happen in a vehicle, something happens, wreck or health, like, is there that good Samaritan rule where like, we uh, have to do something you stop, but nobody else did. I've always wondered what happens. And I've never wanted to stop if it did happen because of that fact right there. I always assumed that the officer would make me stay. And I got somewhere to be. This wasn't yep. my shit. I stopped yep. just to help. Don't draw me into it. So what yeah. you were and, able and, to leave, the they I, didn't. They didn't make the way, you stay. The way I looked at, it, well, first of all, they said, "Oh, you know, you need to stay." This and that. I wasn't involved in the wreck. I just got in my car and left. They want to chase me down and have a conversation. Great, uh, you know, they can pull me over a mile away and say, "Hey, why'd you leave?" Well, I wasn't in the wreck. I was so concerned that this idiot was going to do something, and then everybody acted like he wasn't acting crazy, and I just go, "Dude," but I mean, Marty, like I had to get on his hip. Like every time he would start raising his voice, I'd just get right next to him and be like, dude, if you make one move towards me, that I, I have no choice because you got a gun on your hip. Right. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I have okay. guns. I'm not that worried about, you know, but 
I got my kid in the back. All I'm trying to do is make sure that these old people aren't dead. I mean, it was an impact, right? They're going full speed through the light. This guy comes out, doesn't see him. Boom. Loud crash. It's right on a major intersection. I'm going, oh, God. Now, the people that have an argument is if you're 15 cars back, it's not real easy for you to get to the scene. I wasn't 15 cars back. I literally just had to go around one car. But the one car sat there. They didn't even go around. They were just sitting there watching this craziness. Now, in their defense, if you're scared of guns, as soon as you saw that guy get out, whatever. I, and I or it. you're scared like what I just said. I'm about to get into something that I didn't have anything to do with. I think I've always felt, which probably like them, which is why I brought it up, and I'm glad you said it. So the cops, there's nobody can make you stay. No. You can, no. You can still do whatever you want. Seinfeld yeah. was just like internet today. It wasn't real. Yeah. God damn yeah. it. And, and here, and here's the bottom line. I'm, I am firmly in the camp of glad we have cops. Uh, I'm, I'm, but you're not going to make me do anything when I'm not in the wrong, right? Like I'm not, not staying here. First of all, it's 96 degrees. My daughter's in the car. I'm not hanging out all day on this bridge. Like I did my part. I made sure the old people were alive. This guy could have killed them both with his attitude when he jumped out of his truck the first time with a gun on his hip. And I'm thinking to myself, anybody that was frightened of guns was probably frightened to even drive around the scene because it was just like right there, right? Staring us in the face. And you kind of look at it and you go, what are you supposed to do? But Look, man, it was a crazy impact, and I they never even hit their brakes at the light. And so you get to the next conversation, which we've all are going to have to have or had have with, with older people in our family. No chance they should have been behind the wheel. No, no chance. Like, have probably had 10 accidents before this one on the same day. Like, if they drove far enough, they probably caused 10 accidents. That's how old they were. And so... Dude, his arm was all cut up. He was like pinned in there. You know, the, the truck bumper sat so high compared to his van. I mean, it was gnarly. Luckily, you know, as far as I know, they, they, they were fine. He was kind of incoherent. His wife was just, you know, that like scream that people do. Oh my God. Oh, and I'm like, and then I got this buffoon with a gun on his hip, just acting like, you know, a tough guy. And I'm like, Oh my God, dude, you're that don't make me get, don't let's not do this today. <laughs> Can we assume like, let's not, let's not like be like that age type group and like, but we can assume that you shouldn't be driving in Vegas if you're over the age of what? 70. I think there's a lot of defense of, of, you know, some 65 year olds are 60, still coherent. Yeah. There's gotta but... be a pasture, right? Like let's, let's be real. Like there's gotta be a pasture that these people can go to such as Oklahoma, right? Like, Somewhere through the Midwest, there's Dude. plenty of open roads, Arkansas, like go somewhere. <laughs> right. But if you're in Vegas, I wonder if there's gotta be something. Well, it's like this, Los going, Angeles, San Diego, you know, I mean, you're in a major city with a lot of major traffic. I mean, it's hectic for a lot of people. I mean, that aren't 70 plus years old. And so the crazy thing to me is to get out of your truck and see that it's two old people and you're yelling and screaming at them. I'm thinking to myself, dude, at some point I got my first car accident. I was going 50 miles an hour and this lady pulled out in front of me in a Cadillac. 
She had to be 85 years old. I T-bone her. That's why you got to think against old people, huh? And no, now the truth comes out. Dude, I, we, I hit her. I hop out. I'm furious. You know what I mean? I pull up. I open her door, and I'm like, ma'am, do you have a, a phone, somebody we can call? I call her son. Phone? Yeah. What, what year yeah, was, I was this? Th- I was thinking, that's when cell phones were all right. I mean, you got to realize, man, cell phones have been around Oh uh, yeah, you're a, younger, you're a bit younger than me. You're a bit younger than me. So right. at the end of the day, I was like, "You have somebody we can call," but I can't imagine getting out of my truck, my car, seeing like old people, and not just going, "Damn, how can I? What do I need to do? Are you okay? You know what I mean? It's like I I just can't bring myself to get mad at them. And when you see it, and I understand being pissed, and I've been in that situation, and then you just go. But in that instance, I will tell people my bad thing. I waited for her son to come, and I did want to threaten his life. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to threaten his life because I looked at him and I go, she shouldn't have her keys, and you know it. And she just got in a major accident. And he's like, oh, and and I was like, yeah, I, I felt like. I get it at that point, but I couldn't do it. Nick, I can't do uh-oh. that to him. Yeah, <laughs> this I can't, is a young Nick. That fuse was short. <laughs> I can't I can't do it with I, I see an older couple, man. I, I can't bring myself to like raise my voice or you know what I mean? Like you almost feel like they're helpless at some point. And it's like now the frustration turns to how do I just get out of this mess? You know, and that did not happen at the scene. So your first wreck, you had to get out of a mess. My first wreck, I shook hands with the guy and walked away. Well, drove away. My first wreck was, uh, which is why I think I ultimately want to buy one. There was this forerunner that I constantly kept seeing. Remember, I was in an S10, and I didn't want to be in an S10. I really wanted this something bigger. I wanted something with some tires, right? And a forerunner with the top that you could pull off. Jeep, right? Early, right? Like I love that. And I kept seeing this one by this gas station that, you know, it was one of those small little ones where people, you know, they probably changed oil and it was one of those yeah. old school style. Actually, not too far from where we're at here, not too far uh, in a couple miles uh, to the east. And I would always look for it on my way to church because I just, you know, as a young kid, I just, oh, God, I want it. I want it, you know, for yeah. a month, you know, just constantly kept. Then it wasn't there. Right. So what kicks in? Where is it? Where is it? It was always parked. Oh, no, somebody bought it. I had, I was literally starting to think about how can I save up? So I was, I was in that process of that's what I want. How do I start to acquire it? And I start scrambling to look for it. And I don't realize that the light had turned red. And my buddy that was with me starts going, Marty, Marty. I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I look up just in time. And I'm running a red, about to run a red light. And the, the truck is pulling out in front of me. And I swerve just enough as the tires are squeaking. Now, <laughs> I've got a big din on the S10 because hey, it's an S10. Yeah. But here you go, Dustin. The guy I hit was a Dodge. He had a badass bumper. It's Oklahoma. So what do you expect? So yeah, I'm out. 
shake his hand. He had no damage, <laughs> but my S10's limping on the way to church. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's what happens. Hey, so you had a really cool episode of something that you had. Uh, it's actually you kind of predicted, then it came true uh, today, right? Yeah, this like, morning. Big changes in happen as a bank collapses, Chase buys it. Well, some other big changes that are starting to happen that I saw is what you'll like to see is some more EV news. Hmm. EV news changes coming, and it's the Department of Energy Resources where there's actually a change. This is what gets interesting is what I found is there's now beginning to be a rebate. Did that start before? I don't know. But the article I had seen was some new changes that were coming. The rebates that are ha that have been happening, if you buy certain, you know, dollar figure of this, uh, you know, was it $55,000? You get a $3,500 rebate. If you buy a under 50,000, I think it's a $1,500 rebate. But the change that's coming is people can now get it on when they buy the vehicle, they can get the rebate deducted from the price of the vehicle. Yeah. So the Department of Energy Resources apparently is pushing heavy, which we've all known, while yeah. the state of Texas, here's what's cool, state of Texas is now seeing if they can charge, because the bill went into effect and the governor is now going to push a charge if you buy an EV, because they've been losing out on, what is Texas always Gas known tax. for? Yeah, oil. Yeah. Yeah, ga yeah, gas tax, all that kind of stuff. So look, there's there's big implications of all of this, right? You used to be able to get a $7,500 tax credit. I think you can still get it, but I don't know if that's state or federal. Uh, I think in the state of California, you could get a $7,500 tax, tax credit. You had to make under a certain dollar amount to get it. Uh, so you, you not everybody got the tax credit. I don't remember if that was state or federal or both a mixture. Uh, there, there's a lot of things going on. And, and I would say that there's an important fact here is the one thing people aren't thinking about is the gas tax funds a lot of road projects. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's all of these implications that are going to happen. And the other thing is the added weight on the road of EVs compared to a regular car. And so road infrastructure in certain remote areas that, that, that aren't up to standard, they'll not now have a different load they have to carry on a daily basis. You know, everybody thinks about an 18 wheeler, but let's say an 18 wheeler, you know, you, you have a hundred that come across that road a day. You're thinking you have, you know, a 3000 pound car truck consistently on that road. What happens when that becomes 45, 6,500 pounds just in a regular car that's consistently driving over the road? Some people that are listening might go, well, why in the world would an EV weigh more? Well, batteries, the, the batteries, just so anybody knows, if you look at a Tesla and we had one that we posted in HyperClean Specialist, that, that EV hardly has any miles on it. It does get driven, but it doesn't have, it has very minor mileage for a two-year-old uh, Model S. The tires are already cooked. They got to be replaced. So it shows you how much weight is in the bottom of an EV that they just burn through tires. Uh, so there's a conspiracy that you could say is that if I am Firestone or Goodyear, I actually want the EV revolution because I'm probably going to get two, three, four X the amount of tires being bought 
every time 10, 20, 30, 50% more EVs are on the road. So should we start looking into, I guess, if somebody wants to chase a portfolio, right? If, if I'm chasing the yeah. EV portfolio, I should also chase the tire portfolio. <laughs> yeah, see, huh? yeah. See that, see that, see what the rubber companies are up to. But at, at the end of the day, we're again, I'm going to say it as many times as we have these types of conversations, we're such at the infancy, nobody knows the long-term effects on everything, infrastructure, think of all the gas stations, think of all of these different places that, that we take for granted, what happens, you know, as you start to level up the EV, you're basically taking the national infrastructure, gas stations, roads, bridges, all this kind of stuff. And you're taxing that, right? You're, you're getting to a point where you go, how many gas stations are going to close long-term? How many of these things are going to happen? Who knows, right? Who knows how far we get down? Who knows where we get to? I don't even like to speculate because I don't even know what's actually going to happen. Like, you know, who, who knows? I mean, no, but it, it was just, just it's such a crapshoot. Right. Interesting to see Texas already make Texas. It's, it's, it's holding over the country, right? Like that's their yep. motto and it truly is. And so they get to do whatever the they want to do. Yep. Texas. Right. Great. You're it's almost like a fine for them. They're so anti-EV, right? They're so pro-oil, it's almost like a fine. All right, so changes also coming to Lincoln of something I saw when I was doing a little look through of some stuff. Lincoln's going, hey, wait a second. We need to make some changes and start changing our vehicle to suit a younger generation. <laughs> hey, great job, Lincoln. Right? <laughs> I mean, at least somebody there in their boardroom is thinking, right? Because that's a bit of an older brand that generally meets an older dying out population that might have been was the people that you you saw leaving the casino. Uh, yep. uh, were they driving a Lincoln? That, that, that would be a really interesting. There's probably a, what, a 30% chance that <laughs> they were. So yep. what do you think the the changes coming to Lincoln are? Do you think it's EV? Is that, I mean, if a brand is going to switch... And they're going to well, make usually, it you, Yeah, usually what they talk about is design. And so, this has already been tried by Buick. You know, Buick went through its whole line and updated everything. You know, if it weren't for the Chinese market, which is a, a huge Buick market, Buick would be gone. I mean, it would just be fried. They, they would have gotten rid of it like Pontiac and, and Saturn and all. Buick would be gone. But they sell so many Buicks overseas that they haven't killed the brand. I think I always come out one way on this. Lincoln is what Lincoln is. Make the best vehicles you can make. The odds you're going to be able to skew younger are pretty slim because people are just going to say, well, that's a Lincoln. And so why not just do what you're best at and be done with it? Like they, when they redesigned Navigator, they did the best that they could do. And Navigator's been a great thing for their brand. We've seen with Bud Light recently try to skew younger and lose like 20% of their sales. So I just don't think it's that easy uh, to do this. And, and I would say if, if done wrong, you could kill your brand. So I don't know that it's worth the risk. Yeah. Well, so the interesting way of the way they're going to skew, right? They're going to skew to the younger. They're doing it in a, um, let's call it a old fashioned way. What I read is 
they're going to increase their infotainment center. Hey! There we go. There we go. You're going to have Apple CarPlay now? I mean, yeah, right. They're going to increase their size of their screens. They feel that, hey, in order to be modern, to, to meet a, a younger generation, that they need to have bigger screens. And they're going to go hands free driving. Cool. No, you I mean, shake your head and I go, I love it. So instead of going EV, they mirror things inside of what happens in the EV market and adapt it into still using a gasoline. And they've got a massive entertainment center. I think it was something like 19 speakers. And yeah. then they, they, they put in the hands-free driving while still using gasoline and everything else. The only other thing that they could do is when you pull up to the stoplight, it turns off, right? Like that would be sort of the last thing to kind of, be yeah, that they, bridge they between have, the two. They, they have auto shut off now. I mean, at the end of the day, I hate auto shut off. So when I get in a car, I turn Fuck it off. Yeah, you I, do. Cause you and Mildred are trying to gas it when it's red. <laughs> we already know you got your foot on the brake and you're, you're the other one on the gas. We know. Yeah. Like I'll tell you a funny one. Like when you're in something like a G wagon, especially an AMG G wagon, they're loud. So you'll sit at a, a traffic light. It'll go silent. And then you take your foot off the brake and it fires back up and it's super loud. It's like, I don't want, let's turn that off. Okay. <laughs> it isn't about gunning it. I don't like the experience of hearing the car shut off and turn on. And you know, you can't sit there and tell me you're saving enough gas. I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I don't think that's a huge innovation. I know people believe it is, but it's like, I don't know. So back in the day, you never used to turn off. If you were running low on gas, you'd get up to a stoplight. I actually had this argument with my dad, and I wish he would have still been alive when they came out with the auto turnoffs, and I could have him drive in the car and have it turn off because I used to argue with him, hey, when I pull up to a stoplight, if I'm running low on gas, I would turn off my car. Like, yeah, but you, but restarting it wastes a certain amount of gas. That's what he would always say. And so he would argue yeah. with me that you're not saving gas. Yeah. Agreed. And you're putting wear and tear on your engine during the startup process. So I, I'm, I'm out on the whole thing. Remember I, again, we used to call you an old motherfucker. Like you are an old yeah. motherfucker. I dude, I'm just, I'm here to tell you that's, that's not, uh, you know, people are worried about the wrong shit, Marty. Like, you're, you're going to save 0.001 cents to keep turning your car off at the stoplight. I mean, I'm out again. If you have something that's not a loud engine, it does, it's not as off putting, but you can get into a lot of vehicles that have a lot of power and you hear it turn off and then it revs back up when it turns on. And it's like, I don't, it doesn't feel right for this car. You know, if I just have something basic an Ultima or whatever, Okay, I understand it. It's not so off-putting. But if you're actually in a car that has some sound to it, I think it's ridiculous. Hmm. All right. So let's read an email Michael sent in. I, I just got to read this because it's pretty cool. It's something we keep talking about. It's awesome when listeners will email in or, you know, they'll go into the HyperClean Specialist Group and talk about what they've learned on the podcast and they've implemented it into their business. And <laughs> magic. <laughs> it worked right? This is a cool part. So Michael says, listening to the podcast with Nick and following your guy's suggestion for wash clay and Uno, I got to apply Uno to two cars, a 2014 Lexus in good shape and a 2019 Telluride. 
we won't talk about what that guy spent, will we, Nick, or where he might be in the hole, which has been the car that you keep talking about. People probably are in the hole on. But super simple ease of use. The results are great, too, which I expected, honestly. I did the two cars out of my home shop, but I have a mobile application next weekend. So being able to massively... Uh, use it inside of whether or not he's there at his house and he's got a customer or, right, let's put it into to the real aspect of people. Hey, <laughs> it really doesn't matter if you're professionally doing it or you walk out of your garage and do it in your house, which I have become a weekend warrior. I will go ahead and say as, as yep. part of my last week, I did a couple cars here. We did a couple cars uh, this weekend as a mobile, but for the most part, our business is completely as a detail, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, you're a little too busy with HQ. Yeah. We're, we're venturing to, to say we're towards the end of that uh, era. Uh, and I've become a weekend warrior in the, it, Listen, I, I get it, man. Being able to walk out of your garage and clean your car in a simple, nice way so that the weekend you can go enjoy it with your family, it, man, it, it's, it's a lot. Well, of- I, I, I kind of, you know, this is what we've tried to explain about Wash, Clay, and Uno from the get-go is it's the modern-day wash and wax elevated, Right. We're working on some things to give you some options in the wash clay and product that are ceramic based on a real level. You know, we're you 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 and I are working on some formulas on a product that that'll not only maintain coatings but could be used in this wash clay and protection mindset. And I think it feels good to be able to give somebody something that we weren't able to do even five, six, seven years ago, eight years ago. Right. It, it, it is the change in technology. And here's one of the interesting conversations I had three different messages I got from people that are uh, dealers of a, a very high profile ceramic brand as they released uh, a 12 month coating and it's a nightmare. Now, these are guys that are elite shops. They thought they were getting this product. They thought, oh man, now I got another package to sell, but that one-year coating is actually harder to install than some five-year coatings on the market, according to them. And they would know they've worked with a lot of them. And then there's the specialty of Uno. We know you're going to get 12 to 18 months pretty routinely, no matter where you're at on Uno. You don't have to worry about the effectiveness of it. You can reapply it every year right over itself because again, people need to understand that as you bring down the the active ingredient, like if you look at Sparta, extreme active ingredient, tray, a lot of active ingredient, dose, a fair number of active ingredient. Uno, we're able to have a balance, right? You're able, because you're only looking for 12 to 18 months, you're able to balance that formula out, making it easy to install, making it layerable, Now, listen, when I say this, do not layer it the day you're using it. We're talking about after it wears, after you need to refresh the coating. And this is what we do in my business. I was talking to a couple of people last week. I have people that are just on yearly. So every year we get a reminder in my business. These are the cars that need to be done. And we have a certain number of those every month that we wake up to now because we've been doing this so long with Uno guess what? I mean, you wake up and you have 20 applications that month and you haven't had to work for them. They're just on your program. 
That's the beauty of Uno, right? That is the beauty of it. Oh, don't goodness. overthink it. Yeah, I mean, it's just don't overthink it. it. That's the greatest product for those words, right? Like you can't over you can't overthink Uno. It's just it's such a and, and again, you can do a one step in Uno. You can do a wash clay in Uno. You you got all kinds of flexibility with that product. All right, so this weekend you were chilling by the pool, chillaxing while yeah. you know I'm I'm digging into some movies. I'm excited about some movies. You're not into movies, I get it, but we got a couple cool ones coming out. We got Fast X. That's a car movie. It's a car movie. Definitely, it's something. It's something. I can't. I can't. I can't. I cannot believe we're on the tenth installment of Fast and the Furious. It shows you the. They're just out of ideas in Hollywood. Oh, well, and the amount of stars that are in it too. It's what. It's just like it's crazy. we just have to keep adding in. That's crazy. Uh, it is crazy. It's crazy. Transformers. Uh, uh, the new the new Transformers. Now they're going to Beast, Rise of the Beast, something I don't know. But how, listen, how you many still Transformers gotta, does that make? I you know I don't blame them though, right? We're transform. I was I was a Transformer guy. I was. I like Transformers almost as much as I like Star Wars. Growing up, I can appreciate though what Transformers are doing when they're doing Biggie. You know, showing Biggie in the intro, and then we've got DMX Rough Rider. That's ultimately oh, one of the ultimate car songs mixed oh, yeah. in with a car movie. Like, yeah, because if people weren't around then, they had, you know, Rough Riders were like a motorcycle club. So whenever that song was played, they show all those people tricks on motorcycles, high-powered motorcycles, ATVs, things like that, uh, a bunch of banshees in that video. Yeah, I mean... And, and you know your boy DMX no longer with us. No. So yeah, twenty one, you know, right? A couple of years ago. Yeah. Hey, drugs got him. Got to stay off those drugs, Marty. I don't know if you went to Dare or not, but you Shit. know. Hold on, gotta, I'll be right back. <laughs> gotta stay. Gotta stay off that meth. <laughs> mm. uh, so the movie I watched this weekend, though, not exactly Cars, but it's more Karts. Mario Kart, Super Mario Brothers, man, it was awesome. Oh. I Loved thought you were going to say the notebook. I didn't no, know. No, I wasn't. No, <laughs> I, I got off broke back and went down and, and read my notebook, but we ended uh, up going to Mark. You're listen, you're going to get into that stuff. Yeah. You know, as you, you got a couple more years, you'll yep. start getting into it. But listen, Mario Kart, like that's not cars, but geez, Mario Kart was. Oh, hmm. that was something. It was something. Yeah. So great movie. I enjoyed it. What was interesting though about it. If you can remember a little bit about Mario Brothers, do you remember what they were by a profession? Uh, was it bricklayer and plumber? Plumber. Yeah. Were they both plumbers? Uh, yeah, they're plumbers in the movies. They just hit bricks with their head, maybe. That's oh, what got it was. It. There we go. But plumbers, so they get they land their first gig. Not a movie spoiler for all of you, but they land their first gig, and it doesn't all go right. I'm... I'm anxiety with them, right? Because you're going, you know, it's you got your first gig and shit's starting to fall. Like I, I can see her starting to get anxious. It's if you're a business owner, you start seeing shit going on. You're like, right? Even though it's a movie, you just feel their pain, right? You get yep. into it with them. But here's what's interesting: is they considered they did the right thing because if we as business owners or as businesses do something wrong and you you make it up right to the customer 
then you've you've done the right thing. Right? That's pretty simple. Here's the interesting dilemma there. As we're all in the car industry, we know for some reason in the industry, people, yeah, you know, do the right thing might be, but it's always still, as long as you take care of the customer, once you get caught or there's a problem, then you're considered doing the right thing. But I've been at dealerships, plenty of them. We can throw, easy to throw darts at dealerships, but one particularly that I dealt with, they wanted to start reducing their expenses. And so they started changing out parts to overseas parts. Yeah. Oh, we can save some money on here. And it's not exactly OEM, even though they were an OEM, right? They were a yeah. dealership. They would start changing things out. It's interesting when we as business owners can start thinking, hey, I just want to save 50 bucks. I should, yeah. I get it. This product is X mile, but Hey man, if I could save a little bit here, you know, am I doing the right thing or am I not? Because technically most people consider I do the right thing. If as long as something doesn't go wrong or if something yeah. goes wrong, then I I'd step up, but ooh, there's a lot of us that maybe don't do the right thing because we're just trying to save a few bucks. Yeah. And, and, let's go to OEM parts versus, you know, an overseas part. At that point, you're not comparing apples to apples either, right? An OEM part usually comes with the manufacturer behind it. You you have this network that that now if something were to go wrong with that part, the, the customer could go back and, and have not only like Ford, but also the dealership behind it. I'm sure you saw this at the dealership. They started using those cheap parts and people needed to come back in to get them fixed. And all of a sudden the dealership wasn't as friendly about fixing it as if Ford was standing behind them and they go, okay, well, we'll just call Ford and get that new part. You're not going to call that aftermarket BS, you know, Chinese part company and go, Hey, you need to warranty this. And so did you really save money? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have a certain amount of parts that fail. Right. And the same can go for something like ceramic coating, right? Which is where we see a lot of guys, looking at an application cost and saying, well, I don't want to spend an extra 30 or $40 yet. That same person will say this other coding fails and you'll go, you get that little scratch on the side of your head and you'll go, wait a minute. What? We're talking about 40 bucks on a thousand dollar package on a $1,500 package on a $2,500 package. So you get in this place where a lot of people and again, for those that have been in the Facebook group world, everybody tells you they're doing the right thing. You never go into those groups and somebody goes, you know what? I cut every corner. They usually comment on people's posts why they do it better than everyone else. When you start digging into that, a lot of times what you find out is, yeah, we've put this coding on 20 times and like 15 of them have, have not really done very well, but we're still applying it. And you'll kind of step back. I know you've had a lot of these conversations. You go, what? Well, I mean, you know, things happen and, you know, the customer didn't do everything right. So it could have been that. And it's like, well, 15 out of 20 is not a customer issue. And they'll just power through it. They'll convince themselves kind of what you said. As long as those 15 people don't complain, they didn't do anything wrong but all 15 of them complain and now all of a sudden they got a problem on their hands and they'll go, well, I'll make it right. 
well, why not just choose the right product? It is an interesting dilemma, right? It's interesting. Uh, yeah, and, it I, does... and I say, I, I will say this. You'll never do anything easier in your business than just finding a good product. That's like the easiest part. And so if that's getting messed up, you got to wonder what down the line is being messed up as well. Do you, I just come out of a question. This question comes out of a conversation you and I had. Do you, do you consider yourself the owner of, uh, you, you know, the companies that, that you own or do you consider yourself the CEO and what would be the difference? Yeah. So early in my business, I was infatuated with owner right? Like all of us, I had known yeah, the business before. So I was just like, I was so excited to be the owner. Cause what do, what do most people have is a story like you a story like us. Let's tell, we all love stories of how we got into detailing. It is the thing of every detailing podcast. So all right, Nick, tell us your, you know, tell, I'm just, never mind. <laughs> so at the beginning of my business, I was obsessed with being the owner, right? It, I was just so excited to be the owner, whatever. It took me a lot of years, much longer than it should have, because I'm, you know, not the brightest bulb in the shed. It's for me to think about, I'm the CEO of this company, and the company happens to be on the paperwork, I'm the owner, but to start running it as somebody that's almost disconnected from being an owner. Now, I don't know why somebody would want to do that because you're the owner, you got into it to own it. You got into it probably because you wanted to quit your job or not work for the man or, you know, do your own thing, yep. right? That's what 99% of people get into business. Yeah. So I think the important mindset change for me was how I paid myself, how I looked at the long-term effects of what I was doing in the business a little differently when I was just a guy running a business instead of thinking all the time, owner, 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 I'm the owner, I can do what I want, because that's what comes along with that mindset. I'm the owner, I can do what I want. When you look at it like a CEO, I'm staring at, you know, a casino right outside my window here. The CEO doesn't get to do whatever he wants at that casino. He's got to protect the finances. He's got to protect the employees. He's got to protect the property. He's got to protect the customer. He's got to do all of these things because he's not the owner. He's the steward of that business, right? I'm guiding the ship. A lot of times I found myself when I had this, I'm the owner, I'm the owner, I'm the owner. I could make a lot of short-term decisions and, and justify them because I'm the owner. I can do what I want. And it took me a long time to get out of that because of, like you said, man, we all start a business to, to have owner next to our name and or the newest such founder, a, right? Yeah. I think I even an, put yeah. that into my uh, Instagram for a little bit. Cause I was, everybody wants to be the founder. Okay. I'll be a founder. Like yeah. let's found something. And it's such an egotistical thing. When you look at it, when I look at it, why I, why I kept saying it or why I kept having that thought process is because you want to say, this is mine. Right. Yeah. This is, this is mine. It, it is ultimately it, why, like it's our, you, you've loved the thing. As I think it would, let's start running with it for a while. Superpower, right? Like ultimately something inside of us, if we want to be an owner, we have to say, Hey, we want, and we put a, we put a stake in the ground. Yeah. We don't go switch to go do something so we can buy a car. Right. Like, yeah. So 
I, I think if you can separate yourself from that ownership mindset and go into a CEO mindset, and by the way, don't put CEO on your signature. Don't put CEO on your, your Instagram. We're talking about just having the mindset of I'm here to do what's best for the business. I'm not here to do what's best for the owner, right? Because when you do what's best for the owner, you take all the money out of the business. You make purchases that you can defend and say, well, it's mine. You know, I'm the owner. I can do what I want. I fell into that. And, and like I said, it really shouldn't have taken me as long as it did to change my mindset. But part of it was understanding the finances of the business and how you need to pay yourself and how you need to look at money. Until that kind of changed for me, I never got out of that mindset. Rough estimate, how many years? Probably about five. I mean, five really tough, stupid years of not understanding that a CEO does what's right for the business. If you do what's right for the business, the owner's going to make money. Now you're, you're one in the same, I understand, but there's a distinct difference that when you're this, when you act like a CEO, you don't make decisions for right now, right? That CEO of that casino right outside my window is not making decisions for right this second. He's doing a lot of things to make sure the business is in the best place it can be to be successful. Where an owner, and again, we're all owners if you own your business, I understand that. But how you pay yourself, you know, you're three years into business. If you're not getting a salary every month, you got a problem. If you're just looking at the end of the month, hey, I got 10 grand in my account. I'm going to take 9,000 of it and put it in my personal bank account. That's not what a CEO would do, right? A CEO would say, hey, we've been making about $10,000 a month for a year now. Let me talk to my accountant. Let me talk to my financial people that I've hired, not a family member, somebody that I've hired, not a friend, somebody I've hired, and say, what do you think I should pay myself every month? What should my salary be? If you go much longer than two years and you're not on a salary, you can fundamentally say you have a problem in your business. And I wish I would have known that because I, I fundamentally had a problem in my business for about five years. So <laughs> I, this is the interesting part of where we get to these moments in an episode and moments in people that are listening, because oh, we also need to, you and I talked about whether we should, and I, I think we should, and let's go ahead and do it is let's go ahead and post also in the hyperclean specialist group, what you sent me about, well, should we be passionate? Should we be passionate about what we do? And it's a big reason why we constantly say purpose is such a better philosophy. It's better to be purposeful in your business than to be passionate about your business. Yeah. Because passion can, right? Passion can go up and down. Purpose is more driven long-term. Yeah, it doesn't really matter why you got into business or does it? Does it matter why somebody gets into business? Well, depends on where you want to go. You mentioned something about a CEO has to think long-term. I, I didn't necessarily get into business and think from a CEO mindset. I just got into business and thought of a, how do I do what I most want out of my life? For the rest of my life? Is it possible? I think I can. What do I need to make sure I do so that my business will fund 
what I want out of my life, but I can't have my business. Well, I can't have my business suffer because my life gets too much. So there always had to be this balance that I figured like a piston that went up and down. It got fire. It let out. It went up and down. It constantly kept going. And one way for people to maybe realize that they, you know, sort of what you're talking about and where, why this would mean to, to them is, well, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Why am I here? How do I go? Seems odd. Seems odd to be in cars. Seems odd to be talking about detailing. Seems odd to be thinking about it. The purpose of our life, the purpose of our business. Yep. The intersection is ultimately what you say is your superpower. Understanding the cost. Yeah. yeah. Cost involved of, of having a business and then also wanting to have a life. Oh yeah. Because whatever reason we got into business, we still want to have a life. There's some of say our life should, should, ramp based off of our business, what you said, you know, Hey, if I got 10 grand, I don't think people even wait till the end of the month. I think so many people just 300 bucks. I want to take 290. I I think they'll do it almost per day to to meet their needs. And by the way, if you're in the first six months of your business, we were all there. You know, you, you needed to eat, you know, you wanted to get off the spaghetti diet. You, you know, I mean, that that's the beginning part for everybody. That's why I kind of use these markers, man. You should not, in detailing, you should not get to the end of your first year and still be having problems. It's too easy of a business to get business, right? Even if you did a bunch of wash clay and Uno, you could make a great living. So, you know, you're in year two and you aren't on a salary from your business and you're not financially secure in your business. You got to look around and go, I may be messing some things up, which by the way is okay. I messed them up for five years. You know what I mean? And I still mess them up today. There's things I could be doing better and and that's just part of it. But I, I think for me, when I hear this life conversation mixed with business, I always ask the same question. If your business is exceptionally successful, what are you not going to have in your life? You're, you're going to be fine. Right. And people always look at, I was literally trying to think, I was like, huh, what am I not going to have? And I I was starting to think through. Yeah. Think of your most successful clients. What didn't they get in their life? Now, mind you, we are talking about finances here. So I'm not going to play how much time you spend with your kids. That's your thing. How much time you spend with your love. I, I can't dictate that to someone else. We're talking about financial success in your business, right? Because you may want to spend X number of hours with your kids every week. And I may want to spend X number of hours with mine. And those are two totally different numbers. So that's going to be more individual. But when you think about all the people that reach out to us and say, I want to be, have a bigger business. We have yet to have anybody reach out to you and I, as long as we've been doing hyper clean together and say, I want to make less money. That's never happened, which is why we talk about these things because everybody listening always wants to make more money. You've never talked to the guy that's like, man, just got too much money. I got to shut her down. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. What does happen is people don't understand the time it takes to make the kind of money they want to make. And so if you look at it like a CEO, if your business were to make a million dollars this year, the owner 
as long as there's profit there and you're not running a business that's losing money, you're going to make a lot of money. You don't need to be concerned about making a lot of money. You need to be concerned about doing what's right for the business. If you do what's right for the business, you're going to have all the money you could ever spend on your personal side of things. When you think of it as an owner and you take every nickel out of the business, the odds you're going to have long-term success go down greatly. And matter of fact, I think you and I can probably say this. We've watched a ton of people go out of business already. What do all those people share? They probably took every bloody nickel out of their, out of their company every month. Yeah. And you and I have some very prominent people that we know that have failed, some of which have hold some, some, some different offices. And you go like this. Yeah, he was taking every nickel out. It wasn't about making the business successful because if my business is super successful as an owner, you'll get quarterly bonuses, you'll get yearly bonuses, you'll, you'll get all these things. You're going to get the money. If your business is successful long-term, you're going to become wealthy. There's no reason to think of it the other way. So we were walking through, you were at Sam's, right? I walked through Sam's. This might be the first time in the podcast history Nick has ever admitted he was in Sam's. Oh, yeah. He used to give me shit about being in <laughs> Sam's, but Nick was in Sam's. I was in Sam's and we were walking through and and my, my stepson goes, wow, do you see like every single one in this family had Nike all over them? And we had this interesting conversation about certain people that have to get a certain brand and they have to wear this certain type of, and they have to do right. And it, it actually becomes part of their life. They have to do it. Then they get into business or they were already in business. Either way, you just run that complexity of always having to get a certain brand and being a business owner. So we had this really interesting, very short conversation with a nine-year-old on, you know, the importance of wearing a brand or the importance of what you show or what you're being seen by versus what you can actually afford. Yeah. Right. So I'll give you a funny story about this. So polo shirts, I don't have my full logo on all my polo shirts, but I just had like 20 polo shirts with our VR sort of the same size as the horse on a pole on like, you know, Ralph Lauren shirt or whatever done on polo shirts that we bought from a high quality company. So if you look at my wardrobe at home today, now I certainly wasn't in the financial position as a business to do this. You know, when I first got my start, my t-shirts at home are the ones I want to wear that have my brand on them. The T my, all my polo shirts are mine. They're my company. Now, again, it's not flashed all over, but I can take my VR. You know, we could do it with our hyper clean favicon. You could have a polo shirt made with the favicon. It's a business expense. You can find the highest quality polo shirts buy the blanks, take them to an embroidery. And now you have your own stuff on yourself. Here's the funny thing. That is not something I would have thought about two years into business because, right, we all grew up with the brands we like. We all grew up now in my business. My concern is how do I buy the highest quality blank polo shirt? How do I buy the highest quality T-shirts and put my stuff on them? Because now it's about that family wants to wear Nike. Cool. I don't want to wear something I don't own. And actually... Some of my most successful clients never, ever, ever, ever 
billionaires will ever wear a logo on themselves. Ever. Of anybody's. Including their own in a lot of cases. This is something that people got to wrap their head around. The way that wealthy act and the way that you think they act is a completely different thing. Right? Most millionaires drive a car on the level of an F-150. That's what they drive. They don't drive all these cars you think they drive. What you're actually looking at is people trying to appear wealthy. Because once you actually make money, you're not worried about flashing the money. You're like, yeah, it's it's there. Like, I don't I don't need to flash it around. And that's where guys get in trouble in business, right? Taking the money out of their business to go do these things that they think make them wealthy. And we had a conversation recently about, I remember bringing up a YouTube channel to you, a guy that I know, a guy that's supposedly selling all these high-end things for your home and detailing chemicals and this and that. And one of the things I said to you is he's making people believe that's high-end stuff. Mm. When you actually go into a high-end home, a real high-end home, that shit ain't there. And the quicker you can get your mind around doing right by your business and forgetting the materialistic stuff and forgetting all these things you think you need and just making your business super successful, you're going to get to a point 10 years into your business and you're going to be able to buy whatever you want. You're going to look around and go, yeah, I can get whatever I want now. Or you could be walking through Sam's wearing a one-off shirt that nobody else has. Yeah. No, dude, it's like when I, so I was know, wearing that heathered hyper clean shirt that you told me nobody else had. I was the only one that got it, but we didn't like the way it was, but I kept it and I like wearing it and I could go, yeah, I get it. But my shirt probably feels as good as them and nobody yeah, else I mean, has and that, and that's the Yeah, and that's the purpose of why we have the hyper clean shirts we have now. People don't realize that the actual conversation we had is, would we want to wear it? Right. So this is where you get into a really funny conversation. And I know we're being pretty broad here, but if everything's predicated on making my business as successful as I can, which is that CEO mindset, I'm not trying to take every nickel out. I'm not trying to, you know, make 10 grand and take 9,900 out of the bank account. I'm just trying to be, make my business as big and successful as I can. Whatever that number is to you, the funny thing is, you'll never ever worry about something you want to buy. You want to go on a trip with your family? This isn't going to happen in year one. Very few people does this happen in year one, but get year to five, year 10, year 15. You have a bunch of successful people you've come across in your detailing endeavors, Marty. They didn't didn't want for anything. And most of those people just sat there and grinded away in your bit. I mean, you have an older guy that you say is what, 70, 80 years old and still goes in the office. Well, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, he doesn't want for anything. He likes his life. That doesn't mean it started that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we get off base. You know what I mean? He doesn't do what he used to do, but he still is active in a multi-state, you know, multi-housing apartment complex company. Yeah. Uh, and and he doesn't that's, wear that's logos. Hel- yeah, he doesn't no. wear logos on his shit. No. And, you know, you'll see these kind of stories and, and, and I wish this is something for me that I really wish would have been different for me. I wish in 2010, 2011, 2012, 20, all the way up to 2015, I would have paid attention to the right stuff 
because in 2023, I'd be further along. Now you can't erase time. The shit happened, whatever, right? It's just a learning experience. And that's what we all call them. And that's rightfully what we should call them. But Marty, you can look back in your life now as a business owner and go, damn, if I'd have just done this earlier, where I would be today. And a lot of it isn't some major decision. A lot of it is a mindset shift that if you would have done that mindset shift, you'd be further along. See, a lot of people think we're talking about one decision you would have made different. And a lot of times it's not that. It's like, I looked at these 10 things the wrong way. Had I looked at them the way I know to look at them now, I'd be in a different position. And, and again, you can't fix that all the time, but that's that's what we all think. So the wearing your own shit is something I learned actually from uh, multi-level marketing. Oh, uh, there was that, what was it in the nineties? There was that Amway. Amway. Yeah. So, so down in Fort Worth, working on my masters, literally living in the barrio, but the best food you could ever find. I did have bars on my windows and I woke up every weekend to loud music that went on throughout the entire day. So yes, I can say, I lived in the barrio and I loved every minute of it. It was great. Me and my waterbed, because I moved my waterbed <laughs> down there. So well, there's many people listening to this that don't never seen a waterbed, but that, <laughs> that was something back in the day. <laughs> but <laughs> I learned then was hey, why buy from Walmart when you can buy from yourself and funnel your business? So I did begin to adapt that later. You're right. It, it was not <laughs> month one, year two, right? Like it did take a while, but I did remember that. And I go, hold on a second. Why am I wearing, this was my deal with people, as you mentioned, they held these things and they did all this stuff, but they always had to have this swoosh. And they would put their company next to this swoosh or they would wear the swoosh over their company. I'm like, why would you ever put somebody else's brand and you spend your money for them instead of yourself. It, that's where I learned it ironically from multi-level marketing as shady and crappy as that business structure is. There were some things that benefited yep. out of it. Um, here's it. Let's, let's kind of finish out with this theory. And this is, I want to bring this up before we close because I found it to be extremely beneficial this weekend. I listened to your episode and I also sent you a message and said, Hey man, you got any other podcasts, anything else you're listening to? I, I needed to fill a little time myself, which is what you and I talked about a little bit going into the weekend. Like <laughs> yeah, how do we spend, yeah, yeah. fill a little bit of time? Yeah. Right. So trying to fill a little bit of time. And I say, Hey man, I need a podcast. I only get about 20, 25 minutes into this podcast, but it had to do with stress and the effects of stress on your life. Yeah. This is going to be super easy to people start throwing in darts where they go. Yeah. That's why we always say work-life balance, work-life balance. <laughs> and I'm going to say ring it in motherfuckers. That's not what we're talking about. Stress. And if you go, if we want to put this, I don't know, it might be a little too in depth. It was pretty in depth for me. I can't remember all the things they'd start talking about. Abda Moonangala is something. What was, it? What was it? Huberman? Yeah, your different brain structure that goes into it. Listen, I don't remember all the names, 
but I do remember a philosophy that involved with it. And this philosophy had to do with stress and the amount of stressors that happen to a human. Now I'm taking this into our own orbit and I'm gonna go into what we were just talking about. We can already know if we're gonna have and we're gonna try this work-life balance. But ultimately work-life balance does happen when it comes to, uh, let's call it what it is, uh, business finance to life finance balance. Oh yeah. And, and work-life balance ultimately should funnel into what do we need in a, 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 a work business finance and what do I need in my life to live and to have finances that ultimately needs to be the balance. Yeah. However, the number one thing that happens in a person's life that can cause a incredible, ooh, let's just call it almost insurmountable problem for your business is a divorce. Oh, yeah. Number one thing that could happen. And what is the number one reason for divorce? Money. Money. Yep. What's the number one reason for stress in somebody's life? Money. Oh, yeah. Money. So I'm listening to this episode and I'm hearing about stop the work-life balance. Stop all this. If that's what stress is, you got to understand there's no doubt that stress, and let's boil it down to stress is that one to two seconds that happen when that part of your brain wants to know, should I run or should I stay? That is the ultimate form of stress. And that happens even, and you go, yeah, but I don't have to worry about that today. But there's this evolution of your brain and it boils back down to that. And so you have moments where you have to decide things in your life. And could it be less stressful and could it be less cause of life if you were more financially free because your business had a structure, your life had a structure, and it wasn't a work-life balance discussion. It was what you and I just had a discussion about. Finances of your business that flow with the finances of your life. Should go up, should go down. You should be able to push in the clutch and shift gears. Sometimes that's shift gears up and press the gas, Sometimes that's shift gears go down and I didn't need to give it some gas, but I need to give it some gas. So my engine can catch up to my RPMs and I can kind of start to slow down a little bit. Yep. And I need to control some things. Yeah. Look, I mean, you see us in a detailing business. There's guys that have been under snow for four months. They can't hit the gas that hard during those times. Right. They're just, they're just kind of bringing in cars when they can and then spring hits and now the gas pedals down. Your work-life balance at that point ain't going to be the same as the wintertime, right? So I never believed in work-life balance. I believe there's times where, hey, man, we're busier than hell and pedal to the metal, right? This is our time to bring in. We just had a lot of things hit. Other times you look at it and go, it's a little bit calmer time. The greatest part is if you can look at it and say, 
it doesn't matter whether we're super busy or we're just average busy or we're a little bit below average busy. My finances and my business and my life are so under control, there's no effect of any of it. When I'm making more money, I'm making more money. When I'm making less money, I'm still making money because my life is so balanced. I never, I always do things based off making less money than I make. It sounds easy. We know credit card debt. Here's the funny thing. I shared that Capital One is out of the flooring business. You know what they're not out of? Consumer. Yeah, consumer debt. Your credit card being 28% interest. You know why they're not out of that business? It's extremely lucrative, right? They're not giving up that business. No. And now we know recession has hit. Two out of 10 people are buying their groceries on a credit card that they don't pay off every month. These are signs, guys, that things are out of control somewhere in your life. And get it, man, people lose jobs. As the recession was coming near, we made a decision in my house that my wife doesn't go to work. She takes care of the kids at home, which is a job in and of itself. But think about this. I couldn't have made that decision if our finances weren't in order for years leading up to that. And we know the finances are going to be in order for years after that. That doesn't mean bad stuff can't happen. This is when you get into the weird thing. If you want to have work-life balance, which I think is what you're getting at, the more in line my finances are, the more balance I have. And if you're a CEO instead yep. of an owner, you would also evaluate then because that's why I love this discussion about pushback and everybody on the work-life balance. No, there's times there shouldn't be balance. No, no. No way. No way. I got back from, from Scotland last week. There was no balance, you know? So think about it. I lost a couple weeks with my kids, right? I went on a trip. They weren't on. That was a decision we made a year ago. I come back. I got to get everything in line from the week I missed. So probably when I, when you and I talked over the weekend, I'm like, Hey, I'm at the pool. Think about that. That's like almost 13 and a half days before my life got back to normal, right? 13 and a half days. And by the way, you and I still talked when I was in Scotland. We I still handled stuff. I was going to bring no, that up. There is no balance, okay? No. Because here's the thing. I don't. Actually, I would I, say that is the balance. Yeah, because I like to have the phone call. Like, hey, man, where, where are we at? What do we need? Hey, man, we had this come up. There's a part of enjoying things. If you're going to own and run a business like a CEO, you better enjoy it. Because if you don't, then it is a problem. I don't always enjoy it. That doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it 100% of the time. But I also don't run away from the conversations I need to have with guys here in Vegas or you. I was in Scotland eight hours ahead of everybody. And knowing the times I was going to call everybody to, to understand where we were at. And I never thought to myself, oh, man, I got to make these calls. It's like, ah, got to make a call. Right. Just like you make a call back home to your family, you make a call to your business, you make a call to your leaders, you make a call to an owner like yourself. The funny thing is, the more in line your finances are, magically, the more you're going to like doing things, the more out of control it is, the more you dread everything in your life and business. Because I've been on the both sides of it. I've had things in control and I've been out of control. You've been in the same situation. Anybody that's owned a business has been on both sides. 100 out of 100 people would choose the side where your business finances and your individual finances are in order. 
100 out of 100, which tells you when there's not anybody on the other side, that tells you what the right way to do it is. And that doesn't mean it's easy. I gave up a lot. I didn't buy a whole lot. I had times where I couldn't afford a whole lot. That's all good. But remember, if you go out and you buy shit you can't afford when you shouldn't be buying it, you're going to put yourself where, like you said, stress is now elevated. You know, you're two years into business and you got, you know, three car payments and a mortgage and you're not making that much money. Stress is through the roof. We all have made mistakes. We've all bought a car we shouldn't have bought. We've all bought a house we shouldn't have bought. We've all made mistakes. But once you make them, if you learn from them and go, I can't do it. I'm not doing that. That shit just wasn't worth it. Like, I'm not doing that again. And when you think about the position that we're in, I said this Saturday, and I'm going to keep saying it. You just had the biggest bank failure in the history of the United States today. Monday when we're recording this. Tuesday when you're listening to it, you're going to be 24 hours away from the biggest bank failure in the history of America. I'm here to tell you this shit's coming and those that have things in line are going to see a bunch of opportunity and those that don't are going to probably go away. And that all starts from one place finance 100%. All right. Well, when they wake up and hear this episode, guess they're going to figure out what they need to do. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Have a great one. Hey community. Another great episode. And when you started hearing that about finances and about spending and about all that, I imagine that you begin to start thinking like most people would go, yeah, I, I guess I should start saving. And that becomes one word that people began to think through. I need to save. And you should. Well, let's start thinking about how you can save time. Time is, well, more valuable than money. Time is our greatest depleting resource. How can you save time? Hmm. Let's think through it. Imagine the, the package that we talked about, Wash Clay Uno. Which time would that save you? Hmm? Saving time over layers, over extra work that didn't need to be done. Well, it also produces more finances. Hmm. There begins the fun part of the journey. Understanding saving, saving time, how that is dramatically important as you journey through your business. So come on over, hypercleanstore.com. Let's look at some ways that you can save some time. You're going to save some time with that wash clay uno package like we talked about. Drying your car down with HyperClean Slick. There's a couple different ways that you can begin to save time, which dramatically helps your life and helps increase your car life. That's what we love. Hey, hypercleanstore.com, and I'll see you there. This is Marshall. I hope you make it a great day.